shoot, why don't you boys put a little bit of whiskey in this punch? This week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman. And I am Gloria Ackerman. And guest starring with us is my daughter Ryan. Yeah. She's going to join us today. What yeah. a fun day we will have. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. So you might hear her playing in the background. Uh, this week we'll be talking about season six, episode twenty-one, temporary duty, and season six, episode twenty-two, Potter's Retirement. One of the greatest seasons. Um, temporary duty is about um, the CEO of MASH 8063 wants to switch a nurse and a doctor and they switch Roy Dupree of, from the 8063 it rhymes you see it rhymes you see with Captain Lute Lorraine Anderson for um, Hawkeye and oh my gosh we, we started over even, <laughs> and you can't. It's Bigelow. Bigelow. Sorry. Lieutenant Bigelow. I had, yeah. The, the infamous so, Bigelow. The infamous from Bigelow. When, from um, when Hawk lost his sight, he came in, grabbed her by the shoulders, and said, must, must be Bigelow. Must be Bigelow. That. Hey! Is that your coat? Yeah. And, uh, and um, what am I... I'm not going to say one of my favorite things, because I always do that. <laughs> but um, Lieutenant Anderson is good, good friends with Margaret. Yeah. Come up here. And we see the difference. They were raised together, army brats. And we see the difference of how uh, Captain Anderson is still free-willing and fun and hangs out with all the people on base. And Margaret who has kind of let herself grow cold. She said, yeah. I had to. I'm in charge of all these people. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret, you sound like all those old nurses that we always made fun of. And you could see that cut right to their heart. Right yeah. to her heart. So, yeah. um, you know, they... I, I said it before. Like Chris said, we restarted. So they got their ears pierced when they were younger. And they used Lorraine's Lorraine. dad's medals from uh, his days in the army. So to make their earrings. She said not only was he steaming from us getting our ears pierced, he was not happy about watching his medals being dangled from our ears. The best years of his life dangling from, <laughs> from our, our earlobes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of Lorraine and then we get Roy, who I believe Charles refers to as a country bumpkin. And he refers to Charles as Chuckwagon. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Quite humorous. Where did you get your degree? I can't, I still can't quite do a Charles accent. I don't know why. Arkansas. Class of 402. Sweet! <laughs> Oh my goodness. And what's one of the first things that Roy does when he gets into the swamp? Oh. He um, takes a, a whole martini glass swig full of gin. And drinks it right down like it's yeah. water. And that's where the uh, opening quote from this episode comes. Why don't you boys put some whiskey in this punch? To which BJ responds, 
You were a fire eater before you became a doctor. Shoot, back home my mama would sprinkle this stuff on her ironing board. Where'd you get this tea? Right over there in the still of the night. Oh, that makes me feel like I'm at home. And he goes to fix the still so he can make it stronger and, of course, breaks it. Because that's who he is. He's Mm -hmm. always willing to help, but never very helpful. No. Yeah. And he keeps calling BJ BB. BB, JJ, JB. Anything but BJ until he's sauced. Then he gets it correct. I think the whole thing that he that we're supposed to get out of that is that he um he was just putting BJ on the whole time. I think so too. That's what I've always gotten out of it. Because he, he knows the right thing because when he finally says oh. the correct way, he's like, ah, ah see? I, I had it. you fooled, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, pretty good episode. It, um, I think you had mentioned the the most important thing that comes out of this to me is that we start to I know you yeah. want to be a part of this <laughs> is that we start to see another turn for Margaret. You know, this is uh, the tail end of season six. In the middle of season six, we had comrades in arms, which was a turning point for her. We see her marriage failing, so she's gonna uh, have to reinvent herself as a person because she's no longer going to be Mrs. Penobscot. Not only not Mrs. Penobscot, not Frank's mistress either. She has Mm -hmm. to figure out who she is herself. Yeah. And at first she thinks, I'm this tough girl that can handle anything, and I'm just going to handle it. Yeah. And then she realizes, you know what, that tough guy isn't all that great either. It's just not fun to be the tough guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it's not who she really is. Yeah, and you know, I think that's part of it. We start to see that here is... I think Lorraine really helps her understand that she has become cold. She has become closed off. She has changed. Don't we all need a Lorraine in our lives to help us remember to... Who we were. Who we were. You know, we Mm -hmm. need to all step back and say, you know, put this Lorraine in our lives and say, it's not about always working. It's Mm -hmm. not about always... Yeah. Ryan. We need to sometimes be a kid. Yeah, like Ryan's being right now with Daddy's exercise equipment. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really think that this is um, the start of a turning point because that's a pretty strong one. Um, because at the end of the episode, we see Margaret um, walking out. Oh, uh, I love the end. Yes. Yeah, well, like, they're... They send Roy and Lorraine off, which we'll talk about how Roy leaves in just a moment. Because he but, doesn't want to leave. Yeah, but Lorraine is leaving. They, they leave in the Jeep, and then Margaret uh, is staying there. She's on one side of where the Jeep was, and then BJ and Charles are on the other. And as Charles and BJ are walking away, Margaret says, Where are you two going? To get some coffee in the mess tent? Well, let's go have some coffee. I'll buy. Sure. Sure, Margaret. Come along. Because what Lorraine said is you need to have friends. And really, you you look at how Margaret started, who was her friend? Frank. Frank. One and only. And then he left. 
and he tried. She tried to be friends with her nurses, but, but that doesn't really work. It's like being friends with your boss because yeah. you're always gonna it's, say what you want them to hear. You'll never. You can't. Like she couldn't confess what she confessed to Lorraine. She, no. She ended up breaking down to Lorraine and telling about Donald. Mm-hmm. How it's really like playing with a toy soldier being married yeah. to him. Can take him down and play with him for a while, but then. And then I have to put him back on the shelf and. Yeah. It's a lot to try and fit a marriage through a tiny little phone wire. So, and she's like, why don't you tell people this? And she said, I have no friends. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like you said, I I think they kind of forget here about that episode with her nurses. Because she did seem to start to make friends with her nurses. But she she needs more. Yeah, she can't be friends with her nurses. She is their boss. She can be friends with the doctors. She can be. And that's what I think this kind of opened up. Yeah. And we we do see that a little bit here and there, but I think we see them being friends a lot more coming up, you know? Uh-huh. And so it is another reinventing of Margaret that we, we start to see part of that at least here. But, um, yeah, you, you can tell that Charles is rather taken with Lorraine. Oh, yes. I think that's cute because I've never seen that from Charles yeah. Because he actually took a step back and he's always saying, you know, Charles, I, 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 I'm yeah. best at this. I'm best at that. Well, something mm-hmm. came up and he realized, okay, I shouldn't be saying I, I should be saying. Yeah. She, um, he, he says that he's been keeping this bottle of something. Uh, I'm sure it's a very fancy wine. I can't remember exactly what he said. But he said to Lorraine, I've been keeping it for a special occasion. Perhaps you would share some with me to wish you a bon voyage. And she said, no, one of us has to drive because Roy is just, he's either really, really hungover or still drunk. Um, And we'll talk about why in a moment. He had a great time the night before. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she says, she gives... Charles a very large compliment and he's wordless. I mean, he starts to say something and then... Like, I I am... Oh, she said, you're very confident. Yes, I... And then Uh, he kind of Thank you. Thank you. And that's basically all he says is, thank you. And You saw him actually think of someone else. Which I thought was... Mm -hmm. Um, But then, yeah, Roy Dupree. Oh my. Oh boy, Roy Dupree. He is just loving the 4077th. He is having a great time. He thinks that the food is great, that the people are great, and he wants to stay. He's doing great in the OR. He's impressing, uh, he's impressing Colonel Potter with uh, what he can do in the OR. And, and that was the whole idea of the switch, because they learned things from places, and other mm. mashes learned things, so let's get them together, and and we'll get to know everything. Mm-hmm. So it was a great idea, because he did yeah. teach the doctor something. And But he decides he wants to stay. And Colonel Potter says, well, we can always use another surgeon. I'll see what I can do. BJ and Charles are not fans. They do not like Dupree. They want him gone. He's and, very obnoxious. Yeah, and... So, um, he comes in that night, back to the swamp, just rip-roaring drunk. Just, you know, seven sheets to the wind, having discovered Rosie's bar. 
he had just talked to Colonel Potter about staying also, and it was killing BJ and Winchester. They were not having it at all. Didn't I just say that? Okay. Yeah, I <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I thought I said <laughs> Yeah, you um, did. And um, so they're trying to figure out a way to prevent this from happening. Well, Roy... Now, keep in mind, when Roy arrives, he has his captain's bars on a cowboy hat. He is wearing cowboy boots. And um, he makes a comment when BJ's trying to help him to his bunk about, I used to ride my daddy's ponies like this back home. Giddy up, horsey! And I can ride bareback when I was just a... When I, before I could even walk. Well, Charles goes, hmm, you like the ponies, do you? Well, we have hey, a company. Beach, <laughs> is it your turn to walk, Sophie, or mine? I believe it's my turn. <laughs> Sophie, you have a... who's that? Oh, about six foot eight, long nose. Oh my gosh, you're talking about that hairy guy that wears <laughs> dresses. Clinger? No, no. Um, Sophie, she's our company horse. You got a horse in the compound. Can I ride her? And them knowing all too well that Potter would not have anyone else ride his horse. They say, oh, sure. Go for a ride. So here's Roy Dupree, rip-roaring drunk, no shirt, but a cowboy hat and boots, bareback riding Sophie around the compound. <laughs> Colonel Potter was not impressed. How was I supposed to know that she was the Colonel's horse? So, um, yeah, at that point, Roy is done at the 4 double seven, <laughs> And everybody seems very pleased. Uh, so then they leave the post-commercial scene. Aww, Hawkeye sweet. comes back, and he's relating how nobody liked him. They're like, I'm dull. They kept saying I'm dull. Yeah, and, uh, you know, BJ and Charles are kind of giving him uh, the business about um, just kind of, well, you know, we didn't miss you. Yeah, quite frankly, we're a little sad that you're back. And then Charles goes, you know, I uh, hate to admit it, but... You ever leave again? God, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> and they both hug him and no real explanation given. It was it was pretty cute. They were very happy to get rid of Roy. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I think I really have is that um, one thing that Lorraine does when the the main part of the staff is sitting in the mess tent, Lorraine's there sharing a story about when her and Margaret were in uh, nursing school together or in college together and they had a microbiology exam and they stayed out quite late the night before instead of studying and um, they figured out a way to try and cheat the exam by stuffing their bra with answers and so they would keep going to the bathroom coming back having pulled some of these like what was it hand towel or toilet paper wads out of their bra to look at the answer but then the teacher caught on and wouldn't let them go anymore so then they were stuck there hopping on one foot because they both actually had, had to use to the bathroom now. They didn't do that before. But 
clearly that exam turned out all right because here they are yeah a captain and a major and i don't think we've seen many if any other captain nurses around that's right i mean lorraine is doing a tour uh, a one-month tour at the 8063rd from her post in hawaii but still i don't think that we've seen many other captain nurses it's basically been like lieutenants and then margaret or colonels i think we've seen the one colonel in the um in house arrest the episode where hawkeye was under house arrest in right. the swamp because he hit frank but um yeah no it, it yeah it's a, a fun episode this is a great season for me it, it's a really good know. season it's... and i think it has a lot to do with the cast and I said, you get to see so much of their personality in the next, this one and upcoming episodes. And that's yeah. what I like to see. I like to see their personalities growing and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just how they're starting to mesh as an ensemble is really nice to see as well. Right. You know. Um, yeah, anything else about this episode? Nope, that's all I have. Okay. Uh, just last few comments here. Of course, we had... Enid Kent as Nurse Bigelow. We had George Lindsay as Roy Dupree. And Marsha Marcia Rod as Lorraine Anderson. The production code was Y125. Writer was Larry Balmagia. And director was Burt Metcalf. This episode originally aired February 13, 1978. Next up is... Episode uh, season six, episode twenty-two, Potter's retirement. So, basic plot synopsis is that we start out. It's going to be Derby Day. The camp is gearing up for a big Derby Day party. Potter's all in on this. He's fine with it. He goes to I Corps headquarters because his uh, old friend, Major General Waldo Kent. Um, had called him up there because of some reports he had been getting saying that things were pretty loose and he needed to talk to Sherm. He said, you know, you're so close to retirement. Let me just transfer you home and you can work there and nothing will happen. We'll just, you know, put this under the rug and it'll be fine for you. And Potter basically says, no, I need to figure out what's going on. So he goes back to MASH He's snippy because of all this. He kind of shuts down Derby Day a little bit. But then when it actually starts, when the Kentucky Derby's actually going on, he says, we're going to beat this snap inspection that's about to happen. We're going to show them that we're the best unit in Korea, medical or otherwise. And then I'm going home. And then he just leaves. And it kind of... It was a big bombshell that he dropped on the camp. And uh, he explains to Pierce and Honeycutt and Radar, who was listening through the door, what happened. They figure out who the person was sending all these reports and why he was there sending all these reports. And in the end, Potter decides to stay at MASH because he's Colonel Potter and he knows that he can do the most good there. Because I really think that that's ultimately what Colonel Potter's about. You know? 
Yeah. Well, Chris said he's a little snippy when he came back. He, I would say it was downright mean because he snapped at, um, let's see. Klinger. Klinger. Radar. Radar. I mean, everyone. He's mm. like, get Radar, get me the duty roster. I'm going to see where all these people need to be because if they're not where they're supposed to be, they're going on report. Yeah, when uh, they started the Derby Day party a little early. So, it... And then he got back to his office, and Winchester was in there and said he's been here six months. <laughs> it was his six months, wait, six months to the day that he was at 4077, and he wanted to have a transfer. Well, that was the bad time. Yeah. Because... Well, then this is a memorial drink. <laughs> um, it was very interesting. Oh, that's something I wanted to look up. Uh, Charles was especially peeved because... He had a a medical journal from the AMA. They had heart surgery. Open the heart first open heart. Successfully, open, open heart successful tr transfer. The first open heart surgery. And Charles was saying that should have... <laughs> it was interesting how he said it. That should have been my heart! That. <laughs> that. Yeah. Um... I actually remember that in the papers. That's how old I am. Well, I don't because, but I, I remember, I just remember like the open heart surgery stuff being so important, like a transfer. I don't think. I don't that think early, that was a though. transplant. No. It was just an open heart open surgery. surgery. Okay, because the transplant had happened way later. Yeah. But um, you know, it just could Charles have ended up doing that possibly i mean he was in tokyo so i don't know if he really would have been around a hospital where he would have done that but but he thinks he would have he, yeah so um but honey. yes honey i know we are getting on with the details don't chew on that okay. yeah so um let's see here Yes. Thanks of the Derby Day. You know, and for Colonel Potter, his age, he said he hasn't seen Mildred in a long time. It really yeah. would make sense to transfer home for his last year. Before yeah. It said he has one more year before retirement. Mm hmm So it would make sense to do that even if this didn't happen. So that had to be going through his head mm -hmm. to have, you know, to be transferred home. Spent the, his golden years with his wife. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But he, this shows how much he loves these people and what he does at MASH. Mm-hmm. Um, just for reference, on May 6, 2003, we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the first successful open-heart operation performed with the use of the heart-lung machine. Oh. So if that's what they're referring to... Then this would be May 6th, 1953, which would be close to the end of the war. Really? Mama's sleeping right now, honey. That's why you're in with us. Yeah. We're almost done with this episode. Just a little bit longer and then we can go play. Yeah. Okay. Um, Some of the fun things, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you finished with the heart yeah. thing? Um, it showed Margaret. They did keep a patient. 
and they capped yeah. him over because yeah. there were plenty of beds and he was a chef and they needed someone to make the derby cake. Yeah. And Margaret and the chef were in a heated debate about whether the cake should be white or green. Yeah. She thought I'm not putting green, green icing on a chocolate cake. <laughs> and she's like, but it's the derby. Kentucky's. And grass he's like, well, green. Kentucky grass is, is blue. blue. <laughs> and second of all, I'm not supposed to be here, Major. Those so. two are keeping me to make this cake. And she so. she was a little upset by that, but I think she was more interested in the cake than regulations. But she told on him, which got... Yeah, to Potter who came in and was looking... And look, yeah, Potter was looking for trouble, or looking, you know, already... And she told on him, so he said, I really don't like it when you keep patients that you're not supposed to keep. But I, what I hate even more is snitches. Who said that? Potter. Oh, yeah, and he looked at her at that because he was trying to figure out who would write a report like this. And we know that Burns and Houlihan wrote reports like this on Blake plenty of times in the past. So he was just making his point that he did not like snitches. Yeah, but you know, who who would have written this? Maybe Klinger? Maybe, maybe Margaret, Margaret? Because maybe. she has a history. Or maybe Charles, who had this six months of being there, and that's not my heart, on open on the table. So and, you know, of course, BJ and Hawkeye thought immediately it was Charles. And so what do they do? They go <laughs> and dig into his footlocker to try and find evidence. Well, um, first of all, they pull out a bottle of hair tonic. and uh, They make jokes about him and his hair tonic. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me to put that into his deodorant. Uh, but then... Oh, yeah, that was funny. They find his stationery and start reading through a letter. And he comes in royally peeved. That Which they I are, would be, too. Yeah, they are going through his personal belongings and um he, he's rightfully peeved but they try to explain to him about this and he looks at them and just goes gentlemen if you think about this for more than a second you might realize that if you went through the outgoing mail and looked for a letter addressed to the inspector general at ICOR, you might be able to find out who is the actual perpetrator of this conspiracy. And then he takes his hair tonic, unscrews the top, and takes a swig. And Hawkeye goes, Charles, you're drinking your hair. Don't be silly. This is 12 year old scotch. You think I'd keep my good stuff in a scotch bottle? Around you two, and then you just see Hawkeye go, Oh. I've been drinking the scotch. <laughs> what, Hawk? I've been drinking out of his scotch. And it's just, it's great. It's such a great joke in how it was delivered. Um, so then they go to Radar's office, and they are trying to get into the outgoing mail, and Radar is making this big fuss about, that's the mail, that's a federal crime. It and is a federal crime, though, and, so he was right. And then they, they, uh, they say to it. him, but... The person who's writing the bad reports about Colonel Potter probably has a letter in there. And so Radar just takes it and upends the bag. And then they're sorting through this on the floor. Whoops, we have to pick it up. We dropped it. Well, they didn't drop it. 
They, he intentionally upended it. Well, I'm just saying, whoops, we dropped it. Yeah, I don't think... I, I get what you're saying. I don't think there was an oops there. <laughs> I know there wasn't, but... So, they find a letter to i And uh, Radar tries to dismiss it, saying, Oh, it's just... You know, what was his name? Joe? Peter, That's fine. No. Oh. It was Benson. Um, yeah, I think it was Joe Benson. Yeah, Ryan is trying to get in on the... Yeah. Corporal Benson. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Joe. Anyway, you know, Radar says, oh, that's just Joe. Yeah. Radar, how many people do you know that write home to i Inspector General? So then Hawkeye's about to tear open the letter and Radar says, no, no, let me. He takes it, runs his thumb and forefinger across the lip of it several times flicks it and it just opens magically and they find it and it is a letter to the i inspector general with a list of complaints about colonel potter and the 477 so he was the snitch yep they corner him after a session in or and um and basically uh, they find out, yes, it is him. Colonel Potter comes in and he says, I'm not corporal, I'm lieutenant. Lieutenant Benson, I'm here on behalf of the inspector general investigating a complaint from a colonel. Let's see if they have it in the notes where I get my notes from. I want to say like a Colonel Bridwell or something. Um, they say general here, but it was, I'm pretty sure it was a colonel, and, uh, and so, uh, I think B, uh, Hawkeye actually said to Colonel Potter, we got you an early retirement gift, sorry we didn't have time to wrap it, here's the fink, and, uh, Benson, you know, admits, yes, I was the one, he tells them about this, again, I think it was a colonel, uh, who was the cause of all this. Potter said, I remember him. He came in with a little bit of a flesh wound and he got all uh, all hot under the collar about me telling him that he had to wait until the actual casualties were taken care of. And that's what caused all this. Potter calls his friend, the Major General Waldo, who calls off the snap inspection, clears Potter's record, and then asks... Are you going to stay? And Potter said, I have to wait a minute. Let, let, me, let me think, think about it. it. He hangs up. And then um, here's Hawkeye, BJ, and Radar in the office. And Hawkeye says, Look, Colonel, Sherman, I could give you a thousand reasons to leave. And I couldn't give you one to stay. Please stay. And Radar's like, Yeah, yeah, what he said. What he said. <laughs> and again, I think Potter decides to stay because he knows that that's where he can do the most good. Is there, he's needed there because mm-hmm. who are they going to send in? Mm-hmm. Somebody like Frank, somebody like Colonel Blake. Because I'm sorry, I love Colonel Blake, but Potter knows people. He and, is high up the chain, and he runs a tight ship and knows when to pull the reins and when to let them loose. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets things done at Mash. Unlike Blake was ever 
able to, unlike Frank ever could. So he knows that he can do the most good there with his last year of service and then retire proud of what he did. Um, and once he decides that he's going to stay, what do we see in the post-commercial scene? It's them bringing in, well, the, it's the whole main cast plus oh. Zale singing He's a Jolly Good Fellow, and then they bring in half of a derby cake <laughs> with that dumb white frosting <laughs> with a single candle in it. And um, What's the candle for? Well, this is your first day back. So blow it out and make a wish, and he made the greatest wish. I, he wished for peace. Yeah, it, it really was. It was the greatest wish. It was the only wish that we ever see. It's the same wish that he makes um, during, like, the year in Korea episode. You know, it's just... A great wish. Peace, and let us all go home. So I did, like, just to bring up one thing. Yeah. When um, they brought Benson to Colonel Potter as a gift... At the end, he's like, I think I'm going to put that shrapnel back where I found it. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there were just a couple of cinematic goofs in oh. this episode. There was one where at the derby party, which gets going early, Hawkeye was on his seesaw horse. Uh-huh. And he faltered a little bit, and I guess in the next cut... After that happens, you can see one of the guys in the background smiling. So it's uh, like, oh, still, still oh. from that. And then when Hawkeye and BJ are going through Charles' mail, BJ puts on this white scarf that he has wrapped around. So it goes from his the left side of his chest up, around his neck, uh, counterclockwise, and then over his left shoulder down his back. Well, there's a shot where Hawkeye and BJ are standing up, and it's, like, from their waist up. And BJ has the scarf down all of a sudden. It's Just around one time around. One time around, and both ends are coming down the front of his chest. In the very next shot, it's again wrapped around his neck. So there was a little bit of a inconsistency there with the cut. But we, we don't really expect too much different, because that's... That's how it was, you know. I don't think that they were quite as concerned with that sort of permanent consistency in the show that a lot of shows are now, because there wasn't the internet and people, Couldn't you know, everything. nitpicking every single theme in the whole show. So, but uh, anything else that you had? No, we covered Winchester, Benson. Another great episode. Yeah. The, the thing is, it just goes so fast when the, this season. Mm -hmm. It seems to fly by. Like. Yeah, I agree. A lot of great episodes. Not as much social, social commentary as we had in the earlier seasons, but a lot of good comedy to the show that I really enjoy. I even had to say, because at the end, after the song, they all started clapping, and I was clapping along with yeah. them. Because I thought I was there in the office with Colonel Potter. And they're like, you know, you're not... Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guest stars. We had Peter Hobbs as General Waldo Kent. Johnny Hamer reprised his role as Sergeant Zemel Zale. We had Kenneth White as Corporal Denning. We had George Weiner as Corporal Lieutenant Benson. Uncredited appearances. We do see Nurse Bigelow and uh, Nurse Kelly. So we had Ian Kent and Kelly Nakahara in this episode. The production code was Y120. 
So this was actually filmed earlier than you would otherwise think it would have been. Uh, the writer was Lawrence Marks, the director was William Jurgensen, and the original air date was February 20th, 1978. Uh, so really quickly, if you're enjoying listening to these episodes, you know, uh, we appreciate Ryan guest starring. We don't usually have her on, but if you're enjoying these episodes of ours, of the podcast, and you'd like to help support us, the best way you can do that is by sharing the podcast with friends, family, you know, uh, when you see us post on Facebook that we have a new episode out, like we'll do today, uh, share it. You'll say any of my MASH friends out there you might enjoy listening to, and then just link to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash whiskeyandmash. You can find us online at narclaninc.com slash whiskeyandmash. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C dot com. Go to the podcast portion, the Whiskey and Mash page, and there you'll find all all of our back episodes. There are raw MP3 files out there. You can download or stream them right from the web page. Otherwise, if you do the podcast thing, you can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. Just search for Whiskey and Mash. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio. And give us a shout out. Let us know what you think. Positive, negative. We yeah. want to hear it. You know, One way or the other. Message us on Facebook or again at that narclaninc.com site, the Whiskey and Mash page. There's a link there where you can email the show directly. And again, my pathetic plea, if you have anything to do with MASH, if you were in the production in any way, shape, or form, please give us a call. We'll get you on. We'd love to have some guest stars on our MASH production yeah. here. We can Skype you in from where you are. That is perfectly fine. Uh, in the meantime, I think that does it for us this week. So I am Chris. And I'm Gloria. We'll Have see a you great next week. time. Yeah.